This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Stuffer Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. Hello, it's the warm-up episode 102. It's Brady and Tom. We're previewing the Burnley game and the second tier's Justin Peach joins us. Tom, how are you doing? A lot better than me messing up that intro to begin with, I'm sure. I am. I am great, Brady, yeah. I'm looking forward to this. Because, uh, oh, man, this is, I can't... What a bad start this is. I've got a spring in my step, I was trying to say, <laughs> after that brilliant win on Saturday. Well, I, again, we don't review the game. The, the lads have already done it. But, um, God, that was just what we needed. Shot in the arm on it, Tom. Yeah. You, you just invigorated everyone, didn't it? It's um, it's just really good to see. Um, and you can see already the difference. Players actually, the players are playing for someone now. And that's that's the main thing I'm getting from this. It's, it's uh, going to be interesting to see if we can stay up, though, with a short amount of time, so... Well, we we will see. Um, someone who will know about that is Mr. Justin Peach. Justin, welcome back. How are you doing? Yeah, always good to be here. Yeah, doing great. Um, try not to fluff my lines either, just to throw in a dick there. But no, I'm. Uh, uh, yeah, really good, really good. Very positive about uh, town at the moment. But um, I'm sure I'm I'm going to bring you guys back down to earth maybe with some outside view on a uh, yeah on the relegation running. Well, I was going to say, Justin, you look a little bit unwell, actually, um, for those listening. Is that because you've got a, a touch of the Warnock fever? <laughs> the Warnock fever. I've I've managed to stave off it maybe a few games, a few weeks, um, and I might I might catch it. Um, I just need to be exposed to it a little bit more to, uh, yeah, really, um, really, I don't know what the word is, be infected by it. Well, I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to be serious because uh, you talked on your pod uh, about Warnock providing those imme- immeasurables in management, the, the things we don't see. Um, do you think this is a good appointment for town, given the situation they're in? Given the situation, yes. Um, it's They're in a desperate situation and in desperate situations call for very desperate times. So bringing in a man who is a specialist in eking the very small percentiles out of individuals is the absolute need for Huddersfield. Um, make no mistake, make no mistake about it. Huddersfield have been poor all season. They've probably been poorly coached to some extent um, by inexperienced coaches. That's not the players' faults. That is down to the hierarchy and the coaches that were employed um, by the club. But Neil Warnock knows how to deal with these situations. He's the most experienced man probably in EFL history, um, not only in age, but also just the amount of games he's managed. So, yeah, um, certainly a, a desperate situation calls for a very desperate um, attempt to coax a man, a 74-year-old man out of retirement. Um, and I think that's that's the key thing here is, yeah, he's 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 going to come in and he's going to bring a lot of positivity. Um, and as, as as I mentioned already, the immeasurables, um, the immeasurables are really important in this situation. Uh, you know, Blackpool have tried to admit McCarthy, not quite paying off so far and we'll see in a few games time whether it's going to be the same for us we will indeed well we'll come on to that so um before we get stuck into to what is a, a huge game on paper in terms of 
uh, the opponents and how well they're played. Um, I caught up with Jamie Rayner so from BBC Radio Leeds. Um, he was actually at Warnock's first press conference on Thursday. A um, lot of good quotes from that. Um, but yeah, Jamie was actually there and got to chat to the man himself. So here's what he had to say when I caught up with him earlier. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for chatting to us. So you were at Neil Warnock's first press conference last week. Uh, tell us what that was like to chat to the town boss and, and what was the atmosphere at the presser like? Yeah, so it was great to, to chat with Neil Warnock, actually, for the first time in my career. And yeah, I must admit, it was probably a little milestone for me to uh, have spoken with him. Um, I didn't think I'd ever get the opportunity to. So uh, when I was asked to go along uh, last Thursday, it was uh, a feeling of, of, of nerves, maybe a little bit and excitement, probably anticipation, really, just not knowing really what to expect from him, despite all the videos that you see on social media and how warm he is as an individual to actually speak with him face to face in person uh, was probably a little bit daunting, truth be told, but it was a, a real joy. Um, once the actual press conference got underway and for I think the rest of the media in that room uh, awaiting Neil Warnock's arrival there was a, a real excitement about what he was going to say because he's always a story no matter what he says whatever he comes out with people just seem to listen whether it's football or, or not football he's always got a great story to tell and I think there was just an excitement and a buzz about him coming back into football management. Of course, there's a further story to that in the sense that, of course, he's, he's coming back to Huddersfield Town as well for the first time in 28 years. But with the task and the challenge that, that lies ahead, if ever there was a manager that was going to be able to, to drag Town out of this situation, it was Neil Warnock. So I think everybody was just really looking forward to hearing what he had to say. And I think that that whole mood lift was just needed at the football club. And you could sense that even within the first five minutes of arriving at uh, the training ground. Was there anything in the press conference that stood out for you? Well, I think what was very notable was his charm, his way with a crowd, with an audience. Um, it felt like an evening with, after just five minutes, despite some pressing, uh, and rightly so, pressing football questions that needed to be answered by him, because we all wanted to know really what he's made of town this season, what he feels he can bring to the table. But I think it was his relaxed nature that really stood out. His ability to just take the pressure off the situation. And naturally so, it is such a high-pressure situation that Huddersfield Town find themselves in coming into the final third of the season. But I think that uh, nothing-to-lose mentality and approach from Warnock, because I think it's fair to say he probably doesn't have anything to lose from taking this job on, will actually rub off on the staff at the football club importantly the players and the technical staff as well and I think he, he, there is a genuine belief that they can do it and obviously that's furthered by the fact that they got that very crucial win on Saturday against Birmingham but I, I think uh, it, it was a, a, a definite belief in his own abilities in his own experience as well he, he made reference to that as well that yes he might now be the oldest manager in the English Football League at 74 years of age but with that comes a great deal of know-how and experience to get teams out of this position. He's done it before and there's nothing to say that he can't do it again. Compared to previous boss Mark Fotheringham, Neil Warnock has had a much more positive relationship with the media given his history and his achievements. Do you think that relationship will benefit the club for the rest of the season in terms of narrative? Quite simply, yes, I do. I think it will have a, a positive impact uh, because of how he knows, because of his know-how, sorry, of... of of how to navigate through narratives, and I hope that makes sense because of his experience. He knows exactly what to say and who to say it to and when and at the right time. And you sense that already when he came in, he, he was very relaxed, as I've said. But there were stories about him being at a jazz club in New York during the Stoke defeat that it was a far better watch for him that evening than actually sitting through the pain of the 90 minutes at the Bet365 Stadium, which I think many town fans listening to the podcast this evening would agree. Um, but that relationship is is crucial. And if we were to compare that uh, directly with Mark Fotheringham, I think it's probably one of the biggest differentials because Mark Fotheringham was very new to the top job in management. Of course, it was his first opportunity in the head coach role at a football club. And with that comes the media commitments. And it was certainly an area that I think Mark Fotheringham, despite how polite and pleasant he was, and at times he came out with some words that you really believed in and I think made sense. But with that came a lot of doubt, a lot of 
um, speculation about what he was saying and why he was saying saying it, Mark Fotheringham. And also, I think, and I say this with the utmost respect, but a lot of people didn't really take him seriously. With Neil Warnock, you know exactly where you stand, whether you're a journalist, whether you're a player, whether you're a supporter, you know exactly where you stand. And that is so crucial. Communication is key. And I think that comes back down to the experience that he's had in football management for so many, many years and how many games he's racked up as a, as a manager and first team coach at the highest level. So I think that will play a, a massive part in the narrative keeping expectations where they should be for the fans and not trying to pull the wall over their eyes, to be honest with you. I think straight talking goes a long way in football and we know that Neil Warnock can do that. Um, we talked on the radio last week about how from the outside Warnock's arrival has changed the mood around the club. Have you noticed a more upbeat atmosphere from interactions with the fans and just how crucial is this positivity going forward? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I mentioned it earlier, you know, that the mood had certainly lifted um, in the press conference. Um, just looking at the people that work at the football club, there were smiles on faces. I mean, it's as simple as that. It's an infectious feeling that he can give you, Neil Warnock, whether you're, a, as I say, journalist, player or supporter. And I think that that, that positive feeling can go a long way in, in lifting the, the whole mood of the football club. And, he, you know, he referenced the fans and rightly so so much uh, in that press conference before the Birmingham game because he knows how much the team will need the support of the fans. And I think, I mean, you guys will tell me better, the atmosphere on Saturday at the John Smiths was as good as it's been all season, I've been told. And that's what Neil Warnock can do. That's the effect that it, he can have. And, you know, it's, a, it's an old cliche in football, but, you know, the 12th man goes a long way. And I think Neil Warnock and his approach really builds on that 12th man. He, he really tries to play... The pantomime villain for the opposition side and and it's working the fans in your favor and um look they need that collective feel if they're going to do this if they're going to stay up then they need everybody with them and they need all the supporters with them and he recognizes that straight away he knows that from his previous spelling charge and it will uh, suit him right this time round as well so yeah i think it will have a positive impact i think it will be crucial I think the supporters will have a big part to play and, and you know, let's just see if they can do it. They've, they've got off to a good start. Burnley next. That's going to be so, so difficult. Uh, top of the table, flying our Burnley. And he was very, um, he was very much full of praise, shall we say, uh, towards Vincent Company and the work that he's done at Burnley. But wouldn't it just be Neil Warnock to go to Turf Moor and get something out of that game? Okay, so we heard from heard from Jamie that it appears Warnock does have everyone under his spell, uh, particularly in press conferences. So let's talk about the game on Saturday. So Huddersfield Town, they travelled to Tabletop in Burnley, who were 73 points in the league. In first place, 12 points ahead of uh, second place, Sheffield United. Burnley have lost just two games in the league this season, the last of which, which was a 5-2 defeat at Bramall Lane to the Blades back in November. They're unbeaten at home in the league this season and they have nine home wins in their last 10 matches. However, they did draw last night to Millwall, so take the positives. Tom, as free hits go, this has got to be the textbook definition, right? Yeah, it has. Um, it's going to be really interesting. I think I, I'm, I'm not going on Saturday, but I know a lot of my mates off the back. I, I, the thing that he's brought is the positivity because a lot of people that I know literally left Saturday, got on their phones and booked tickets to Burnley. And I think town fans are going to turn up not expecting a win, but <laughs> already people are just there thinking, oh, but imagine, imagine if we got that, a draw or a win, a little sneaky win or something there. Um, And it's just, it's amazing what this man has kind of done coming into town and just made everyone have a bit of hope again. And that's, that's the main thing for me. Um, it's going to be so difficult this game though. They are absolutely insane. I, they could be possibly the best championship side that I have seen in my lifetime. I think I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of, I mean, we've been in the championship for quite a while now, Brady, but whenever I've watched Burnley, They've looked just absolutely class. Even the other night, I, w I watched that the one against Watford, and they were all saying they didn't even play that well. And I, I was still thinking, blooming it, though. If that's you on a bad day, bloody hell, different class. Well, I saw the. I can't remember who who it was that tweeted, but Burnley obviously signed a seven million striker in January with their, you know, 
when the, yeah. they've come down from the Premier League. And who did we sign? Tommy Elphick on free and Reese Brown from Forest Green Rovers. Uh, anyway, Justin quite rightly, t- Tom's, you know, touched on there how good Burnley are. Um, no one's expecting town to get a result at Turf Mall, but you've covered Burnley a lot this season on the second pod. Like, why are they such a good side? It's down to how well coached they've been by Vincent Company. They've taken me by surprise. I think that first game was against you guys, wasn't it? First day of the season. Um, and I was just completely taken aback by how good they were with the ball, how um, progressive they were in possession. Nothing like we've seen Burnley play before. I think Eddie Howe tried it 10 years ago and it fell felt very flat and he ended up leaving after 18 months back to Bournemouth. Um, but Vincent Company's just got them drilled down to a T. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily down to individual quality because these players have been plucked from, you know, a lot of them are quite young. They've been plucked from sort of Belgium, France, et cetera, you know, different leagues and different countries. Um, so that's that's been a job in itself in trying to um, make that a cohesive group. And Vincent Company's done that and he's got them playing to his style of play. And it's so much better than he, what, what they were putting out at Andelect as well because at Andelect he struggled to really put together a side that was consistent in the amount of chances they were creating and um, sustaining a title challenge and whatnot. So, yeah, what he's done at Burnley this season has just been remarkable. And I think that's the key for Burnley um, is his ability to not wane too far away from his style of play and his, and his philosophy. Um, you look at Russell Martin, he's exactly the same, but Swansea, I know there's a different, massive difference in quality of player, but Swansea, they struggle. Burnley haven't. Um, and they've done it without... A senior centre centre half as well all season. I think the average age of the the back four has been sort of 23, 24. Charlie Taylor's been out of the side as well. So it's just been remarkable. Um and like Tom said, it's it's hard to hard to see a much better side at championship level um in, in my lifetime as well. I, the only one that I can beat it is at Reading side in, in 2005-06 when he set the points record. So yeah, it's just been remarkable, taking me by surprise and quite rightly quite deservedly top of the league. And, um, you know, Burnley could actually beat that points record that you're talking about if um, they're to, you know, win most of their games in hand, which, I mean, to be honest, it's, it's hard to see them not doing that. But, you know, can, Justin, can you see Huddersfield getting anything out of this? You know, we know Warnock, some people don't like his style of football, but it gets results and that's maybe why Towns have brought him in. But can you see anything on Saturday? Any positivity for us? I think... Potentially, yeah, but it mainly lends to perhaps the drop-off in form for Burnley. Um, I know they've they're still unbeaten, um, but the last three games they've not been their usual selves. They weren't. I wouldn't have said they were the better side against Millwall. I thought Millwall maybe uh, edged the game, um, and then going back to the weekend, Luton were very, very good. It was just that difference in quality in the early goal from Burnley that, um, or, or the goal from Burnley, that was a difference. Um, and then Watford again, not quite at the usual standards. So it's probably a good time to play Burnley. That I think it's natural for teams to drop off slightly throughout seasons, no matter how good you are, no matter how consistent you are. And Burnley are probably hitting that spell now. They've rotated their team a little bit in recent weeks, um, and companies just trying to sort of, I imagine, improve those standards to a point where they were sort of early mid Jan. So it's a good time to play them. Um, but I think the key thing for Huddersfield is just get a performance. Use that as momentum rather than focusing on a result. But that being said, it's a Neil Warnock side. They're going to go ways on the dogs and that suits them down to a T. That suits Neil Warnock down to a T. So maybe I can see a result, but you've got to catch Burnley on a bad day to do it. Mm. And Tom, you know, Come on, you're the well. We're both town fans here. Um, are you? Have you got that little? You know, we know how it starts. Whatever has happened on Saturday, you're like, oh, you know, now I don't think we'll beat them. And then by the time it gets to Saturday, you're like, do you know what? I think we've got a chance. Are you at that point yet, Tom? I'm at Brady. That's football, isn't it? You, there's no point following the team if you don't turn up on a Saturday thinking, yeah, we might, we might win here today, and. I don't, yeah, you never know, do you? It's like they're they're a good team, but they're not they're not unbeatable. Do you know what I mean? They've they've got a, they've got to have a blip at some point, and like Justin said, if this is kind of their spell, maybe where they're on a little bit of a wobble, we might be playing them at a perfect time, and we might be the first team to beat them at home this season. Like a cheeky one nil, scrappy. They have like 
it might be like QPR where we've had 30 odd shots against us, but we still somehow come away with three points, Brady. You never know, do you? Um, scenes, as the kids would say, <laughs> if that happens. Um, it, do you know what? It could be, I mean, clip this because, you know, we might lose 4 0 at the weekend, but um, it feels like a bit like Sean Dyche when he was uh, his first game with Everton and Arsenal, like, you know, top of the table, Arsenal. Don't know. Feel like uh, feel like one or stifle them, but it's whether you know whether we can hold firm. But um, Tom, you'll probably know a little bit more than me because you caught up with um, one of the lads from the Burnley podcast, didn't you? Yeah, I caught up with Joe from Turfcast, and we uh, discussed all things Burnley and uh, how he's seen the season going. We've lost to a pub side. We've literally lost to a pub side. Hi, mate. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. So, how's your season going? Uh, yeah, well, obviously really fantastic, isn't it? Obviously running away with the league, looking like we're going to actually win the league as well now. Um, I've been pretty confident we're going up for about six to eight weeks now. Ever since we came back from the World Cup, we were just in sensational form. Just every week, we just seem to extend our lead at the top. Uh, and we, we won, I think we won 10 games in a row. Then we drew against Watford, then we beat Luton. Uh, and then, of course, we drew last time out against uh, Millwall. So we're unbeaten in 13, won um, 11 of them. So, you know, it's uh, a very, very good uh, time to be a Claret at the minute. Um, obviously, I remember at the end of last season when we rele- relegated, it were all doom and gloom, as you'd expect on the socials. But it um, couldn't be any different now. It's a, it's a really, really good place to be. And um, if anything, the relegation's benefited us, to be honest. Um, it's allowed us to completely rebuild, completely change everything about the football club. Like really, of course, we've we've changed the manager, we've changed the style of play, like completely changed it. Obviously, we were known as this long ball, hoof ball team and anti-football was the term that people had used it as. Whereas now with this free-flowing attacking team that have, you know, I think we've won 3-0 about five, six times. Um, some of these games, it should have been four or five. Um, disappointed that some of them weren't because we know we absolutely battered Blackburn. It could have easily been four or five. I would have really enjoyed that and beating Preston as well. That could have easily been six, so... Um, yeah, it's, it's it's been a very, very, very good season. Uh, let's just put it that way. Who's a standout player for you so far? You know, it's a tough one, that one, really, because we've we've all done well. All the players have done well. Um, obviously, a lot of them, as I've just mentioned, um, you know, we, we've changed the style of play and a lot of them have come in in the summer. Um, so the likes of Anasurori has been fantastic. I think he's probably my favourite player at the minute, especially the lads that we brought in in the summer. Um, but then you've got Nathan Teller as well, who who is so fast. It's it, you know it's a, it's technically a bit of a cheat code with how fast he is, and he and he's got a brilliant touch as well. So when he's running at speed and the ball's coming at him, he can still bring it down. It's just sensational to see how Southampton don't think he's good enough for the Premier League. I do not know, um, but hopefully we find out next season that he is. Um, then you've got the centre backs who, luckily for you, um, will be injured. Then you've got Taylor Harwood Bellis and Jordan Bayer, who have been fantastic, both injured for this week. Um, but we have had two very good uh, deputies uh, coming in in um, Ekdal and Amin. So there's been a few. Um, Benson's been good, but he's another one that's injured. But I say right now, like in this particular moment in time, Weirdly, after waxing lyrical about our new style of play and all these amazing new attacking free-flowing footballers we have, right now it's probably Ashley Barnes, um, which is a bizarre one because at the start of the season, a lot of Burnley fans are going, oh, he's, he's clearly past it, you know, maybe it's his last year and, you know, we'll, we can have him as backup and then, and then you know, uh, uh, just let him go in the summer. But he's, since Jay Rodriguez got injured, who's another one that's going to be missing this weekend, um, he's stepped up to the plate. He's been fantastic as Ash. He scored two goals against Blackburn. And that kind of, they're his first goals of the season. It kind of like kick-started his season, um, really. And he's been doing very, very well. Not got as many goals as some of the other, some of the others. Um, but it's just everything about him. Like he's winning headers and, you know, holding play up and things like that. And just being a general shithouse. And, you know, we absolutely love him at Burnley. So right now, it's it's actually Ashley Barnes. But we've got quality all over the pitch, honestly. We really, really do. And what's your score prediction against town? Um, well, to be honest, I'm a little bit gutted you got rid of uh, your old manager. I was expecting, you know, this could be one of the games where it could be four or five, and we actually put teams to the sword, uh, put a team to the sword rather than just winning three nil. Although having said that, in that kind of game, we do tend to just sit off after three nil, um, which you know can be frustrating. But I do think I do think Warren is going to turn it into a slog. I think. I think you'll sit back. I think you'll try and frustrate us, um, and we have struggled to break teams down 
Um, sometimes when teams do that, some there's other times when we have just pushed them aside and won three 0 So, um, it depends on the look of the draw, really. I mean, I know we drew one one last time out against Millwall, but you know we had like three or four chances in the first half and hit the post in the second as well. If any of them goes in, it's a different game, and, and we we win that quite comfortably as well. Uh, Watford, who did frustrate us quite a lot recently and did manage to get the draw, they were very very well organised. Um, and whether or not you have the players that can be as organised as them, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I'm pretty certain Warner will, will turn it into an absolute slog. Um, but I still think we'll have enough to beat Huddersfield with the greatest respect. Obviously, you're not having a great season. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 th- I think Burnley will win 2-0. Thank you. Bye. There we go. Cheers, Joe, for that. Nice one. And Tom, you spoke to him the first part of the season. Um I'm guessing he was in a bit more of a, a jovial mood than he was uh, when you spoke to him back in August. Yeah, I can't, I'm trying to think back what he was. I, f- I feel like when I spoke to him back in August, he he was excited, but I don't think he, he was not expecting this kind of thing. I, don't, I, I think they were all a bit tentative about company and maybe thinking, looking at Anderlecht maybe and thinking, can he come into the Championship and do this? And... I mean, it is. It's actually look. They've they've spent money. They've brought real good quality in, but you've still got to coach the side. And he's he's. I'm I'm surprised as well that he's doing such a good job. To be fair, Justin, I know um, other you know other fans on your podcast have said they're a bit you know parachute payments FC, um, and you've kind of railed against that. Um, again, do you kind of agree with Tom? Yes, they have, obviously have that financial advantage but it's just about the coaching as well yeah they they do have a final uh financial advantage i think any team that comes down from from the premier league has that cushion of being able to spend not freely but they just have that that contingency um the following season i think that's the key thing is is it's the impact on the following season so if bernie weren't to get promoted um they've recruited well this season they've spent a lot of money this season but it's next season they'd, they'd probably strip it back and not do it Bournemouth did it um, the season they came down, obviously, um, didn't recruit massively, kept hold of some key players and sold a few players uh, and that sort of bankrolled them. Um, so it does it does add that um, that parachute, that cushion. Um, but at the same time, they their net spend is ridiculous. They've they sold a lot of their squad. They needed to to recruit um, and recruit quite heavily. But I think the way they've done it is quite shrewdly. They've mainly spent money on players that are below 25 years old they're going to add value they're going to develop and i think that's the key thing here is they've they've spent what they've um brought in rather than spending and relying on those parachute payments so if burnley were to stay down then maybe we can call them parachute payments fc because they might continue spending next season but it's unlikely to happen so i think it's unfair to to coin them that um that sort of team because other teams have done it you know fulham for example last season relied heavily on those parachute payments because they were able to retain the players like Mitrovic on sixty grand a week contracts, Burnley haven't been able to do that. Um, they've they've sold those high uh, those high um, high value players uh, and brought in incredibly well from it. So yeah, quite unfair to call them parachute payment FC, but it is obviously with the caveat that that money is there as a contingency if they need it. Yeah, fair enough. Well, we've talked a lot about Burnley, so why don't we take a break and then we'll come back and talk about Neil Warnock's Barmia. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Tommy. Okay, we're back. Um, Tom, I thought you were going to chant as we were going into the break there, but never mind. Um, (laughs) Let's get stuck in. It's time for the mailbag. 
You've got mail. So, Justin, um, you may have seen we've got a lot of questions about you and your podcast. You and your podcast saying things about Huddersfield and not very nice things. Um, so, <laughs> quite a few questions. I had to filter some out. Um, you'll be <laughs> interested to hear. Um, but Khan Lister asks, um, why does your pod hate us so much? Do you hate us, Justin? I mean, you've been on this, what, like five or six times, so you must hate Huddersfield, surely. Yeah, absolutely. We hate every team north of um, Derbyshire. Uh, it's just a natural north-south <laughs> divide. Um, that's that's just what it is. Um, no, we don't hate Huddersfield. I think the, the reason why it comes across as we as we do is, is there's not really been much positive chatter around Huddersfield this season. Um, I think last season... I thought we were quite complimentary of Huddersfield, especially in that second half of the season. Um, and they and they and they run to the playoffs because it was quite remarkable how they did it. They they weren't, I wouldn't have considered Huddersfield favourites throughout that. Um, and that's mainly down to their budgets in Luton. Um, it's you know, it's quite remarkable the job that Corbrand did. So I just think the lack of positivity around the football club this season, and it's happened with a lot of football clubs that are really not on hard times, but Everything's going against them. Derby, Derby fans accused of as an agenda. And I'm a Derby fan myself, so it's quite weird hearing that. But it's same with Birmingham City fans. Just when when clubs aren't in the right place, we just point it out. We're just very honest about it. Um, and again, going to, going back to that performance and win on Saturday, yes, it's great, but there were still massive um, issues that need to be resolved, and, and they, they will get resolved. But we just got to assess what's what's in front of us, and that's what we saw. Um, but we don't we don't hate Huddersfield. Uh, we don't hate any club. Um, yeah, we're we're very uh, non non biased. I think I'd, I'd say comes across as it, you know that not being the case, but it's just honest opinion. That's what it is. Well, even if it's, as a Derby fan, you must hate Forest, surely. I mean, that'd be welcome on this <laughs> well, pod, given what happened. <laughs> um, I, it is a tribal hate, but it's again, you know, on the pod. It's a very serious um, business. Uh, not not hate, but certainly a. I'll be as um, I don't know what the word is um, down the middle and and straight face as I possibly can. Very very diplomatic. Well done, sir. Um, we got a question from Al Palpu. He he says I don't know. <laughs> I can cut this if it's not. Um, but it was a bit weird. I, I'm assuming I'm missing out on some context here. But he asked you if you like peanut butter. Do you know anything about that? <laughs> no, not a clue. <laughs> um, I do like peanut butter. Um, it's it's great for smoothies. It's great for sandwiches and toast. Um, yeah, yeah, it's very versatile spread. Um, got a lot of time for it. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was going to be an inside joke or something. No, before, but, <laughs> I thought uh, <laughs> well, you might have secured yourself. Uh, uh, look forward to the next ad when you've got a peanut butter. Fingers crossed. Deal. <laughs> Sold it quite well. Um, okay, we've got another one again about the the hate. Um, can you confirm? Joanne asks, um, did Ryan used to date a Huddersfield girl? He broke his heart because he never has a kind word for us. Did he? Did Ryan date anyone from Huddersfield? Uh, not that I know of. Um, they, mainly Southerners, actually. Some it might be a thing. It might just be anti-Northern. Um, but yeah, it's 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 hard to say. Um, yeah, Ryan's Ryan's very opinionated. He's also very stubborn. Um, I don't think he'll. He'll uh, disagree with me on that. And um, whilst he, you know, he likes an opinion like we all do, um, I just think perhaps it's because it's it's his honest opinion and it's not necessarily a positive one that people take offence to it. And that's normal. That's tribalism. That's football. Football fans don't want you speaking ill of their football clubs, even if you speak ill of your football club yourself. Um, it's just that sort of big brother mentality. Like, oh, you know, people can call, I can call my big brother, you know what, but you can't, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair. Um, well, we got, we got another quick, but then I'm going to throw in one of my own questions here, actually. Um, in fact, I'll do that now, and then I'll ask Marcos, because that's actually nice. You've you've done well being grilled about uh, your, your so-called hatred for Huddersfield. Um, but Justin, I will ask you, so this is this comes from Brady Frost, um, good guy I've heard. Um, so from the outside perspective, obviously, we're not a big fan of Carlos, given how he, he left in, you know, short notice, although we can understand the reasons. Um, I suppose it was like a really big answer, but like, do you think we're right to blame Carlos? Do you think, you know, is that the reason we're doing so bad? I know there's other things, but I'm kind of interested to get your your take on the, the season as a whole. I know that's probably going to be like half an hour, but you could, you know, briefly. 
I I think it's unfair to hate him because you've seen how the I mean hindsight's great, but you've seen how the seasons progressed. I wouldn't want to manage in those circumstances. I would feel let down by the board that not being able to build upon a very, very good end to the season. I thought Carlos Corbrand more than delivered what he needed to in getting Huddersfield to a playoff final. And they were two really poor decisions away from the Premier League. It's the fine margin. At that point, for me, I thought the board should have had a maybe a frank conversation or a bit of transparency with the, the club uh, or, the, or the fans about what the direction of the club is is going in. And it's certainly not one that aligns with Carlos Corbran's plans. And I think that's fair for him to then to then leave. Um, because as I say, if, if Corbran's got one idea of where he wants to take Huddersfield and there's no money going into doing that, what's his motivation for staying? It's, you know, football... Is, especially someone like Carlos Corbran, who really buys into projects. He comes across as someone who really buys into projects. Um, I just think he was let down by the board. And we've seen that transpire over the next sort of six or seven months to now that the football club's had to, I've said it already in this in this episode, the football club has had to coax a 74-year-old man out of retirement to save the season. It's an incredibly desperate situation and plasters over, plasters over, um, plasters over really, you know, timeline of really bad decision making by those higher up in the board um which is why you know we said it on the podcast ourselves that we feel that warnock's a bit of a get out of jail free card because it masks the really bad decision making and strategy put down by by those at the top of the club mm. and i'll go to uh I'll go across to certified booing expert tom bradshaw um tom would you still boo carlos when we play him yeah yeah i'd boo carlos still um, he, he let me down this year. I, I mean, I know Justin's been very sensible there, but I still think the amount of time he gave, left before the season started just a bit out of order for me. That was, I think, and that's what you call balance. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Marcus J. He asks, um, seeing as everyone is hiring ex-Huddersfield Town managers, uh, who is most likely to take the QPR hot seat? Now, obviously, QPR have got Gareth Ainsworth, but um, I thought we could take Marcus' question and run with it a little bit and just, you know, let's let's pick an ex-Huddersfield Town manager and pick a club they might be at. So I had a little look for you guys. There's three I can see who were who were available: Danny Cowley, Mark Hudson. Uh, and Steve Bruce, Simon Grayson was shouted by our listeners, but he's a Indian Super League side, Bengaluru FC. So um, you know that's that's one well out the window. He won't come back. So uh, Tom, I'll let you go first. Any of those three, and just give me a random club or where you could see him pitching at. Um, uh, Mark Hudson at someone like Crawley or Stevenage or Markham. Do you know what I mean? I think if Mark Hudson's going to get back into football, it'll be. Um... Bit further down the down the ladder, I think. But I, I look, I've I, that was such a tough gig he had there. For you. He, he's basically had what Schofield had. He got thrown into the deep end with a club that's in a bit of a bad situation, and um, almost then the blame lays on you there. So, um, yeah, I'd I'd love to see Mark Hudson back in the job, and Danny Cowley will pick up a job all day long in League One. Do you know what I mean? I think any clubs would happily take the Cowley brothers. Yeah, yeah, very, very logical. Justin, um, any interesting shouts? I think um, st- part of me thinks I feel like one club near us, if they have to set their manager, might panic and give him a call. Yeah, again, Steve Bruce is one of those desperate situations um, type calls, isn't he? Um, I think Danny Cowley for for a Blackboard team getting relegated from the Championship this season, um, whether it be you guys, maybe not Wigan, um, obviously not Rotherham either, because I'm Matt Taylor, but... Yeah, certainly a Blackpool would suit him. Um, I, I still think I've said it, I said it to you a couple of weeks ago, didn't I, Brady? That I think Danny Cowley would be, would now be a very good fit for for Huddersfield, strangely. Um, but yeah, Steve Bruce. Um, I'm trying to throw trying to throw a team out there. I don't know. I think he's I think his ties are, are burnt pretty much uh, pretty much every club. Maybe a Birmingham City if uh, if uh, they decide to to. Kick the can on John Eustis unfairly, um, I would say. Um, but yeah, I think Steve Bruce is doing. He should he should just be touring the touring the West Indies, watching cricket for me. 
Well, yeah, I think if Steve Bruce took another job, um, I think it it might be like a, yeah, like Australia or something like that. I could just yeah, think going for the money and the sun, it wins <laughs> the cricket. And to be fair, can you blame him? I'd probably do that. Yeah, Danny Kyle is a good shot for Blackpool, actually, if they got relegated. Um, I think maybe a League One team might take him. Don't know. Don't know who. Going to randomly guess. I don't really know who's in League One. Should probably know because we're in good chance we're going to be there next season. <laughs> um, let's say, I don't know. I actually don't know. Bradford, because that'll just be funny, won't it? Hughes goes. Mark Hughes goes. So there we go. Um, let's see what happens. I bet we're all going to be wrong. Um, Okay, before we go into you on the boss, I want to talk a little bit about the relegation running. So, Justin, what do you think of, you know, to be honest, um, Tom's in the same chat as me. Yes, we have WhatsApp chats. Oh, it's fun. Um, we keep umming and ahhing. So, like, you know, on Friday when Cardiff, you know, scored late last minute to win, people were like, right, we're done. We're winning against Birmingham. People are like, we're staying up. Results last night, we're done. How do you see it going forward as well? Yeah, it's a, it's a really difficult one to answer because it generally is incredibly tight this season. And we, we've changed our mind several times on the podcast. Um, for, for me, Rotherham, I would say Rotherham are probably one of the more likely ones to go down. Wigan as well. Um, I know we've we've put out a clip this week saying, I, you know, I fancy we're going to stay up. Um, and I do. I think Sean Maloney, out of all the teams down in that bottom five, has done the best job because he's he fixed all of their issues. There's only one big issue remaining, and that's scoring goals. And that's the thing that's going to pull them into that that bottom three is not scoring goals. Um, and Cardiff, Cardiff um, performances have really started to lift. Um, they've not been terrible all season, strangely. Um, again, it's just putting the ball in the back of the net, but they're now creating chances on the regular. Um, and I do expect them to to pull away from that um, that bottom four or that bottom five. Uh, Points-wise, anyway, um, with Huddersfield, it's so difficult um, because of the squad. I just, I, I don't fully believe in the squad yet. I've not had anything in front of me that suggests that um, Neil Warnock's probably the only factor, um, and it's depending on whether he's still got that magic dust, any magic d- dust left in his in his yeah in his being to to pull them out. Um, but otherwise, it's going to go down to the wire. Blackpool haven't really impressed me under Mick McCarthy yet. There've been some. Good performances going forward, but there's still a shambles at the back. Um, and that's the difference with, with Wigan, for example. They fixed their issues, Blackpool haven't. So I think Cardiff are the best set team to go uh, to, to stay up at the moment. Um, Rotherham, a little bit inconsistent. So I think it's if if Warner can get a running games going, they could pull away because there are teams at the moment that are very, very poor. Do you think? Um, well, I'm, I'm sure you will agree with this, but do you think Huddersfield chances are, are so much greater with Warnock in? And like you say, if you're not being impressed by McCarthy, I suppose Warnock has that experience, been there and done it. I I would say Warnock's the deciding factor. He could be the key difference because you look at Wigan's squad. A lot of League One standard players in there might be quite harsh, but they're bot they are bottom of the table. Blackpool have got so much quality in that final third. Josh Bowler, Morgan Rogers, Jerry Yates has been good in parts this season. They've got some really, really good players, but they're not knitting it all together. Um, whereas Huddersfield, there are some good individuals, not as many as Blackpool, um, and maybe not as many as Rotherham. But Warnock adds that little bit extra that none of those teams have. I don't think Mick McCarthy's still got it. I said that before. Um, so I think Warnock's the, the big factor here, and it's just depending on whether he's got the energy to to do it I think he does but it's you know I don't know how many managers over the age of 70 have been a success in football it's you know maybe Roy Hodgson it's quite it's quite a hard yeah hard category to assess mm. Tom how are you feeling about it I, I know we're probably going to talk week to week but how are you feeling about uh, it following that well win so I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts on this Justin so I, I mean I, I do this every season even if we're in mid-table, it's like I do that bloody, do you know that uh, predictor where you put the scores in yourself and have a look where things could change and stuff. And when I've done it, I'm getting, I'm getting the whoever's going down, uh, the team that's staying up are probably on about 46, 47 points and then three below 45-ish. Do you think that's kind of the target? Do you think that sounds right? It's a, Good question. Um, I mean, you've got Cardiff on 35, so they're only three wins away from that. And I think I can see that 
I can see that um, or three or so wind away from that, and I can see them pulling that off. Um, <clears throat> Huddersfield and Rotherham. I mean, Rotherham have struggled. They've only won seven games, so Blackpool and Wigan. So I think you're quite right, Tom. I think 45, 46 points is that target. That's going to keep a team up because Rotherham, Huddersfield, Blackpool, Wigan, they're not, you know, they just haven't won enough games, whereas Cardiff are starting to pick up. So, yeah, that is that is the, uh, yeah, quite rightly, the, the key point target. It's quite a big one this year as well. Um, I don't think it was that significant last season, maybe 40, uh, 41 points. But, yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of wins for those teams down there and a big pickup in form, which isn't, necessarily easy they need that manager bounce quite early yeah five more wins then five more wins <laughs> um, Tom you you passed that straight to Justin I asked you what what are you feeling oh what am I feeling oh yeah. I think you're gonna do it Brady there you go that's what I want to hear need that positivity as Tom Lee said this week you know you think it's the Coventry games and the Bristol City games but you know Sheffield United will probably be on the piss and be promoted by the time we play him so here's hoping um Cool. Well, we'll, we will be here for the the relegation running, I'm sure. Um, But yeah, if we stay up. Got a feeling, got a feeling, Tom. It's going to be like uh, the Barnsley 2012 vibes. Well, I was just thinking that, and that was a very high points tally. I feel like we had to stay up on 46, 47 that season. That's the season we sent Peterborough down, wasn't it? So that's always good. (laughs) Absolutely. And to be fair, you know, talking myself into it, last game, Reading at home, couldn't pick a better game. In my opinion, they'll have not to play for unless they slide. But we will see. Okay. Anyway, uh, we'll come back to the Burnley game, shall we? Uh, because it's time for you're the boss. So how will we line up the teams? So Huddersfield with the Warn Dog, I'm going to call him more as Johnny from the Borough Breakdown has now let us use. Thank you, Johnny. Uh, hashtag Horny for Warning. So uh, Warnock had three five two. So he had Bill Capich in goal. Tom Lees, Hellick and Matt Loughton in a back three. And then his five was David Kasumu, Jack Redoni, Jonathan Hogg, Etienne Kamara, Jaheim Headley, Joseph Hungbo and Daniel Ward. Um, absolutely some huge performances. Kasumu got a big shout out for me in that game. But Tom, I'll come to you first. Um, looks like Loughton's going to miss this game. So um, is there any changes you'd make? Or, do you, you know, would you just make the one change there and try and keep it as, as the same as possible? I don't, oh, Brady, I don't know, because I'm not I'm not tactic. I don't know what I'd do. I'd probably Why go... Why do we do this section, then, if you don't know? <laughs> I'd probably go as defensive as possible. I'd be playing right. from the point here. I'd be... And I guess, actually, on on Saturday, that team was very nicely... Kasumu's great, isn't it? Because he gives you so much energy. I, I probably would keep it very similar. I don't know who you'd bring in, though. I guess you're probably going to have to bring in... Um, is Boyley back, or has he still got one more game? No, I think he'd be free, but Reg as well. If you don't Reg, Boyley. Pearson is injured, I'm I'm assuming, still. Yeah, um, it seems like it. Although oh, Ward, Wardy was meant to be injured for weeks, Boyle, so was Hellick, Pearson, and they were straight back in. Pearson, Lees, and Hellick back just brings us so much confidence that back line Pearson's going to fucking love playing for Warnock isn't he so um, yeah I mean I, I probably would keep it the same hope Pearson can slip slip in there where Lurton is and if not I mean I'd, I guess it probably I'd probably put Ruffles in just because he's played more games than Reg I, I probably wouldn't be putting Reg in against Burnley um, even though he played really well at the start of the season but he's just he's, I just don't think he'd be Match fit, rusty. Yeah, bit rusty. Yeah, I mean, I I had put Reg in, um, and swapped Lee's to the left, but yeah, you make a good point about Ruffles. And to be fair, Ruffles haven't been the best this season, but I actually thought he came on and did all right against Perbium. Yeah. Um, so who knows? Yeah, I, I'm. I think you've twisted my arm. I'll go for for Ruffles in the back three. Um, Justin, any changes you'd make? Obviously. Like you say, you're not a big fan of town squad. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if you do make any changes. Um, I think keeping it as uh, as close to that win, uh, that lineup, that one against Birmingham is is the best thing. I think continuity is important. Um, I also think that Burnley aren't going to barrage you long balls. So you can get away with maybe having a more quicker, technically gifted player than maybe Boyle in, in the back three. 
But obviously, if Pearson's fit, he's got to start. He's by far, I mean, maybe other than Helic, he's by far the best centre half at the club. Um, so yeah, I'd keep it as close to that. Uh, not seen enough from Mike Horn. Obviously, if Danny Ward's not going to be quite fit enough, I know he's, you mentioned that he might, he was supposed to be into last week, but if he's not quite fit enough, then maybe Waghorn comes in. But other than that, I, I, would, I would keep it the same. I thought Hungbo was was fantastic. Headley was brilliant. Um, and uh, Kamara and Kasumi were both fantastic as well against Birmingham City. So you've got to build on those performances, not chop and change it. Neil Warnock's not one of those types who chops and changes. So he'll keep that as uh, as as similar as possible to that Birmingham win. Mm. And you touched on Waghorn there. Um, I know it's a few years ago, but it was at Derby. Like, do you think Warnock could get anything out of him? You know, is he is he that type of player? Uh, it's a weird one. It's a weird one with Waghorn. I've seen I've seen him be absolutely brilliant. I've seen him be absolutely terrible. Um, under Frank Lampard, he was he was good in parts. Um, and Frank Lampard was a good man manager, so maybe Warnock would be the type of manager he gets a lot out of him. But Waghorn's not played a lot of games over the past two years, been quite injured. Um, uh, and that maybe is, is impacting him massively and perhaps he's quite lucky to still still be playing championship football. Um, might might sound harsh, but his career's dropped off massively since that final season at Derby. Um, but then again, Warnock's done this before. You look at the likes of um, Sol Bamba, for example, you know, becoming an absolute colossus at the age of sort of 33, 34 under, under him. So you've got the ability to get a lot out of players. And that again, that could be a massive difference um, between now and the end of the season. Those players that have been put, even Anthony Nokiot, you know, he's not had a type of manager that is a very good man manager, man manager since Chris Hewitt. And so it, it could also get more out of him because again, he's left a lot to be desired in Hubsfield shirt so far. He did his best to get Birmingham an equaliser on Saturday knockout. I was I was quite surprised because he's been all right in spells, but um, yeah, we'll see. Um, so boys, we'll we'll talk about the match prediction and the, the, what we're thinking for the score. Tom, I'll come to you first. Um, hmm. yeah, I don't know. <sighs> my heart says one all. My head says. I think we might lose this game potentially 2-0, 1-0. But it'd be like one of those, The like Justin says, I think the most important thing we see is a performance here. And if we, we can come away from Saturday thinking, you know what, we've we've given these lot a game. Um, basically, all we have to do now is perform like that for the rest of the season and we'll be fine. Because um, Birmingham was a great win, but there were still bits where it was... And, I mean, he he literally had what two days anyway, so it was never going to be perfect. So, yeah, I think the main thing on Saturday is we come away thinking, yeah, if we keep this performance levels up, we're going to stay up. So, all right, I'll go with my heart though, Brady. I'll go, I'll go one all. Um, nice, nice. Jack Rudoni will score his first town goal. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's it. We we've been saying it all every pod this season but if Rodoni gets his first maybe he goes on that run and keeps us up can you imagine that'd be great for us because we were right all along um <laughs> I'm with I'm with you on this I you know it's about the performance for me and I think we will see a performance that Burnley have that quality that I think is just going to get Edgem over um so I'm probably going to go one nil Burnley and I think we'll put in a really good shift I've got to be honest if Lee Nichols was fit I feel like we'd steal a point yeah given you talked about that QPR performance earlier in the season. And that's no slight on Billy Kapic, but, you know, he's a young lad and I think he will be a very busy boy on Saturday. Um, Justin, what about yourself? What's your score prediction? It's Yeah, it's hard to disagree with you on it, Brady. I think a 1-0 win for Burnley. I think it's going to be a really uncomfortable game for them. Um, and it's going to be one where I, I think Neil Warnock would do his very best to keep the crowd quiet. Um, and I think he'll achieve that. And I think it'll be a late burning goal that gets the win. It'll either be a late burning goal that gets the win or a very early burning goal. Um, and then they just manage the game out from there. Um, so I think, as I've said already, and as Tom alluded to, it's just about performance against Burnley. If they can carry that momentum on, um, should stand them in good stead because expectations will be low going into a team that hasn't lost at home all season. Yeah. And to be honest, like Warnock's talked about it being a free hit, maybe that will, um, you know, be yeah. a bit of a relief to some players. Sorry, Tom, did you want to say something there? Okay, no, he just shook his head. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, okay, let's move on and let's finish with Kwame's question. A few things, things change, but also... 
Okay, so Kwan's question this week is, what was your favourite Huddersfield Town kit? Tom, I know you'll be bang up for this because you love talking about kits. Um, Justin, I will ask you your favourite Huddersfield Town kit. I know that's probably putting you on the spot. Um, So I'll give you a little bit of time to think about it. But we'll talk about some listeners' responses first. Uh, So Smile A While said, uh, the superb cream slash off-white 1997 away kit, the Panasonic one. Good kit, good kit, that. Um, Lee Morris... Uh, just sent a picture, so I had to. I've got a handy little um, kit reference guide, and it was the 0304 Huddersfield Town away kit with the red and black stripes. Tom, I've had this. I've had this debate before. Yeah. Um, I think the away kit should always be red and black. Agreed. That's yeah. as that is for me. That is our best away colours is the um, red and black. I fucking love a red and black striped town kit. Yeah. It's just it's beautiful. The one that Lee sent, and that, that's the Admiral Prime Time in it. Oh, great kit, great kit. Just really yeah. simple. They, those two kits, home and away, because it the beauty of the red and black. It's like it's almost inverted to the home kit, and I think that's why I like it so much. It just makes well, sense. Exactly. It's simple, isn't it? What's the opposite of blue and white? Red and black. Yeah. Done. Um, and you know we can pretend if you squint really hard, like you can pretend it's AC Milan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sue Sue Arthur um, was being horny on Maine here. She said, "Any anyone that has Christopher Schind- Schindler in it, any kit, Christopher <laughs> Schindler in it, and can we blame you, Sue?" Um, Oliver says the nineteen ninety two ninety three the black grey gola kit. That is that is a nice kit, and um, I think you can still pick that up on eBay for the low low price of seven hundred forty nine pounds because um, mm. it's a beauty. Got a shout for the electric hoops kit from ninety two as well, um, which is great. Tom, what's your favourite town kit, man? Oh, so I love the Pulse one. That's a, that's a want because that's like warny first time round. Um, I feel like any of the Panasonic ones, absolutely mm. beautiful, the home kits. Um, I'm kind of only looking at home kits here, Brady. I think I'm, I'm thinking of, I, like I said, if, if it's an away kit, it's a red and black for me. Um, any, any red and black striped away kit. I've got a few of the Panasonic ones of those. Very interestingly, I've got the, it's very interesting what they did there. This is boring. Someone might fall asleep to this. But I've got the red and black Panasonic uh, by Mitre. And then oh, yeah. it's exactly the same kit, right? It is literally, I've got two of them, exactly the same kit. But the other one's by Pony. Really mad how, like, they must have just bought a template and when they got a new manufacturer... Yeah, that was exciting, wasn't it? So it was um that it that will been the ninety seven, ninety nine, and ninety nine, two thousand and one kits there. Uh, shout out to the late to early two thousand and one. The the only kits with the circle on the circle badge, pretty rare. Yeah, I mean, like didn't really like that badge at the time, but when you think about it now, it's it's a bit of a collector's item. Uh, got the three stars in the middle as well. Interesting, but I think Brady my and I literally was talking to my mate about this the other day. You know what my favourite kit is? I think one that I've, I've, I wore quite a lot. The Umbra 2011-2012 yeah. promotion season um, from League League One with Kirklees College home kit one. Yeah. Great. One. Beautiful collar. Um, great memories of Peter Clark, Alan Lee. Um, just an absolutely awesome kit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You like the red away one as well with the the V, yeah. yeah. I, I associate red with that. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, oh, beautiful. Um, yeah, you're right. I I kind of lo- I do love the Panasonic ones from the like late nineties. I think they're yeah. just gorgeous. Those home kits, and I do have the the pony gold, goldy like you know looks like someone's urinated on a white shirt <laughs> um, kit, but it's lovely. Um, I I quite like. Um, I really liked. The Paddy Power kits minus the sash. Yeah, I just I think for I'm not normally a big fan of the modern kits, but I thought they were really nice because when this is my biggest bugbear for the Prem season, we had two seasons in the Prem, and that was the first season where we stayed up. Horrendous kits. Yeah. Hor- that home shirt, horrendous. A horrible shirt. Um, horrible. The, the sponsor makes it a lot as well. Like two Prem seasons, absolute crap sponsors. Like yeah. a made up Chinese betting company, it turned out to be, didn't it? Yeah, no longer um, exists. Yeah, kit with black socks. It's got to be black socks for me. It's got to be. Agreed. 
blue and white, white socks, black socks. Justin, this is well exciting, this, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say. I do yeah. think the sponsor makes it. I like I like the recorder league kits as well, just because it's quite a good little sponsor now. Um, yeah. yeah, there you go, Brady. Kit talk. There you go. Justin, um, you probably had time to Google some kits if you didn't know. Is there any is there any town kits you you like the look of? I've been looking through them, and this might be controversial, but you've had some absolute stonking sponsors. Um, oh yeah, Calvonia. That is a horrendous yeah. derby. I just uh, derby I just eat for a couple of years on a really nice set of kits as well, and it's just this bright red sponsor across. It just spoils mm. spoils your shirt. Um, but I'm looking at the sixteen seventeen one, um, and I quite like the collar on it. The home shirt. I mean, the, yeah. the sponsor isn't that was a good fantastic, kit. but any shirt with a collar, I think, is well worth um, well worth oozing over. And you are quite right. The, uh, the the red and black ones, whenever they're striped, they look great. It reminds me of the Man City kits from sort of the early two thousands. Big, mm-hmm. big, yeah, big fan of them. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the home 2020, 2020 21 shirt again is is quite tidy. Um, sponsorless, yeah, really adds to it. So. Yeah, there's my there's my two pence worth. Um, there you go. Justin, well done, sir. I need to ask you because look, look, we've we've delved into kit talk here. That's how trendy this podcast has become. Um, what are your thoughts on the derby kit this season? I think it's very weird, and the circumstance. It seems like you've played in two kits this year as well. Yeah, we had we had um, <laughs> this is really crap. Um, we didn't have shirts at the start of the season. So we had to uh, during preseason. So we had to use a template shirt with it wasn't a sponsor. It was just like Pride of Derby or something. Yeah. Um, and then the shirt that we have had this season, we didn't have a sponsor. Um, and then we gave away a sponsor to NSPCC. Um, but I'm very particular about shirts. I I've not bought a shirt for quite a number of years because Umbro shirts uh, for Derby have been absolutely dreadful. Mm-hmm. Um, I miss the days of Joma and Area. I long for Hummel. I long for Hummel so badly. I I I thought the the template one actually looked all right, and then the, the actual shirt came out. Don't know about that bit in the corner. It's just a bit bit interesting. There is yeah, the kits. As I said, like the kits for Derby have been terrible. Whereas, but there was a year we looked like stormtroopers. Um, <laughs> there was. Um, uh, there was the stripes one year that Hull had as well. It, it just the template ones aren't aren't great, and this year's again not not fantastic. And we didn't have them; they didn't go on sale until until October. That's how poor we were at one point. Wow, wow. Well, you know, I've really enjoyed that little segment there, Brady. It's cheered you right up, isn't it? It's the, the welcome <laughs> tonic. Um, I knew you'd love that, so I served that just for you. Um, Lovely stuff, right? Okay, well, we'll probably call it there because Tom will be talking about kits for another half an hour and uh, I'll let him do it, but you don't have to listen, listener. Um, so, yeah, um, thanks to Tom and Justin for coming on. Um, thanks to you all for listening and thanks to our sponsor, Magic Rock Brewing. Don't forget, you can get 10% off all online orders with the code AHTTC10. So get it used and get 10% off. Um, Tom, anything you want to leave the town fans with before we go? Um, up the town. Just uh yeah, go loud and proud as always on Saturday. Um if he, if you know what, if you listen to the main pod, if you haven't listened to it yet, listen to it just for the the song that um did Danny yes. write that? Uh Adam Adam Jarrell, who does the offensive podcast. Um yeah, so yeah, absolutely brilliant. brilliant. And what an impression of Dean Hoyle. <laughs> yes yeah it was i was um i was actually listening to that at work and i had to turn it off because i was laughing too much so, <laughs> yeah no do go check that out um justin anything you want to say to the town fans uh, this is where you could get in your dig and be like haha i do actually hate you all i was, I was actually going to go the opposite we, we don't hate you um i'm, I'm actually going to try and get to a uh, home game before between now and the end of the season um just because i want to see neil warnock in action so to speak so yeah we, we don't hate Uddersfield Town. Um, we love every club in the championship. Just uh, don't take it so personally. That's all. <laughs> wise words, wise words. And we'll end it there. So, to ta for now and up the town. So, town play up. We'll bring the car back to
Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.